This is Barkcast. You ain't nothing but a hound. On each episode of Barkcast, your questions will be answered by professional, senior trainer and owner of Canine Point Academy, Russell D. Russell. Hi Russell, how's your week been here at Canine Point Academy? It's been good mate, thanks for asking. Excellent, so we've had an email come in from a gentleman called Kurt. Hello Kurt. Kurt has said he's taken his dog to a dog training school, he's not specific on the dog training school, Okay. and has said... Uh, the dog's come back, and apparently the dog is not listening to Kurt. Help. Right. Fair enough. I should probably tread slightly carefully here. There's... Should we just check first? It wasn't your score. Have you yeah. got a client called Kurt? <laughs> no, I don't have a, cli- a client called Kurt. Okay. But what we do we do as part of our service is offer a residential program. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading between the lines. I'm, I'm assuming with Kurt, he sent his dog away to be trained. The dog came back, and now the dog's obviously not listening. So there is, and I think we spoke on a previous pod about sort of different ways of training your dogs, whether you have private lessons or group classes, all these residential programs. So to start with, let's have a look at the why should I send my dog away for training rather than me be a part of the process itself. I mean, a lot of my clients and a lot of people would say in general, surely we as the owner should be part of this particular process. And for the most part, I would agree with that. If there's if it works and it's possible for you to come in with your dog and work on sessions, I would always at very least start with that and you can build from there later. But there is, without doubt, a a need for residential programs. Ultimately, with, with all due respect, myself and, and other trainers, we know what we're doing on a day-to-day basis with the dogs. So we can expedite the training process and get a lot further, a lot quicker with the dogs as we move through a given program. You've always told me you're training the, the person, owner, the, the owner, not the dog. Yeah. So, so, so how does that work? Yeah. So, and this is the, the key part for, for Kurt, which quite possibly has been missed. There's two things. One is the, the handover part at, at the end of a program. So it's not just a case of the dog comes to me, I do all the training and give it straight back to you. Thank you very much. And off you pop. There has to be some engagement and some work with you as the owner to start taking control of the situation because respect is non-transferable. The dog, if, if I give you Sassy and you take her home and you tell her to sit and stay, she might do it, but probably won't. And it's not that she's not going to listen to you because it's you. She's just not going to listen to you because she's never had to. And there's, there's no relationship or connection with you or anyone else that she sort of went to. If you spent the time, then obviously that, that would develop. However, I've seen we've been out and we can make a dog sit by giving them treats. Yeah, so the, and there's a, but there's a difference between the dog doing something and doing something for me, like offer me a behavior, do something for me that I'm asking you to do versus you taking the gamble that, hey, I can see the guy's got a sausage in his hand, let me just sit and I'm sure he'll give it to me. Going back to your point of surely it's about training the owner, not the dog. Absolutely. In terms of our sort of residential programs, and I think most people would do this, from, most trainers would do this, the dog comes in, say it's here for two to four weeks. The first first half at least is just me and the dog working through process working through exercises now getting to the point where the dog genuinely understands things like a sit a boundary stay or or whatever it is that we're working on then i can start to say that right jay you need to come in we're going to do some sessions together so now you're working with the dog who the dog has some base understanding of what it's supposed to do which makes it easier for you i'm also there as well so we're guiding all all three of us are going through this process together 
And you'll do that a few times just towards the end of a program. So the dog's already seen this picture of working with you. On top of that, I also, where possible, like to get out and about. So it's not just about in the training room all the time. That's all we ever do because dogs learn with pictures. And the classic example of this is if you take a bowl of food in your kitchen, your, your dog's food, and say, sit and stay. You put the food down and stay, 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 stay. Okay, Rover, go get it. A lot of people do this, and most of the time it's bulletproof, and they think my dog knows how to sit and stay. They don't. They just know in that picture, in that moment, this works. If you try that exact same experiment, but in your garden or in your living room, the chances of success are way, way, way less if you've never done it before because it's a new picture to the dog. I'd like to do that experiment. That sounds quite give, fun. Give it a whirl. Let me just come. So, so Kurt's basically saying the dog's going to wait, and we're assuming it's for a, a residential training yeah. session how long would a, an, a, a standard and you're gonna, last? I, I think you're going to say it depends on the dog but what's the standard so for me or, it's, what, what, sorry what's the average it will it's, again it's going to change in terms of the minimum for me is two weeks and I think a lot of trainers would also say anything less than that because it takes time to a, build some sort of connection and a bond with the dog and in two weeks and it depends on people's sort of perceptions and what have you but you're asking us to go, you know, here's my dog. It doesn't know anything. I want it to be bulletproof trained in two weeks. You're asking a lot. So it takes a bit of time to build a connection and just start getting the dog through the basics. So within those two weeks, the dog is fully staying with the trainer. My, If you're a client coming in and asking, I would say, again, depending on the dog, who I want to see first. But generally speaking, yeah, I would have a dog that's walking reasonably decently on leash not pulling my arm out would have a, a reasonably good sit stay and a boundary stay possibly even down on command as well and just being an overall calmer more solid dog on top of that what i also want to start building in working around some real life distractions so it's all very well being able to get your dog to sit but can your dog sit when a door opens or a dog walks past or someone else is in the room things like that so when would you then bring someone like Kurt to come back in and would you bring them in while the dog is still staying with you? Yes, yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. So it's just, it's more like a drip feed. So the dog's been with me for, say it's been for a couple of weeks. We've got some good ground in the dog's understanding what I want it to do in terms of it's sitting, it's down, it's boundary stay. I can then say to Kurt, right, you come in and you're going to get your dog to do the same thing. And usually the first couple of sessions with clients, it's a lot of this, me talking through the process. And you know, the dog's sort of happy to see the owner. There's a lot of, you know, kerfuffle going on, if you like. And there's not a lot of pro, uh, progress. But then the second or the third and fourth sessions, they've heard this all from me. They've understood it. They've seen me doing it. They now understand what they have to do. And things start to gain traction. And the dog starts to work out, oh, so when you say sit, it's the same as when this guy says, oh, fine. Yeah, I can do that because I know what sit means. And then we start to apply that to different settings, different areas, even out and about. And that's how it starts to transfer the skill from not just the training, the training or the training school, but also to the owner as well. And that's a really, obviously, fundamentally key part of it. Now, I'm assuming there are some training schools out there that just say, yeah, we'll take your dog for two weeks sure. and when it comes back, it'll be perfect. And there are probably a lot of people that say, that's great because that's what I want. That's the easiest thing ever. I don't have to put any effort into it. Yes. And let's assume, and we should never assume, but let's assume yeah. that... Kurt has done this so what can Kurt do now that the dog's at home and it's had this two-week residential program and it's still come back and or it's come back and now what? nothing so ultimately I would my my first guess would be if you went back to the school 
or if if, if Kurt's been there and say, look, I'm fairly confident the dog was responding and let's give them the, the benefit of the doubt. The dog is responding very well at the school with the trainer in terms of what they were doing. I would just go back and have some sessions with them together and say, right, Mr. Trainer, show me what you've done, why you've done it, how you've done it. And let me take the leash and work with my dog and, and help me through this process so that Kurt can get a better understanding of what the dog is supposed to be doing and what exercises to run and, and also how to manage the dog um, on a more consistent basis. And this is the other part. A lot of owners will do this. Look, you take my dog, you train it, give it back to me because I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have to deal with training my dog. And that's a problem because training is a lifelong commitment. It's not reprogram the computer in two weeks and it's done you have to be consistent with it and you have to follow through and then people say well i don't want to spend an hour or two a day training my dog that's what i'm paying you for and that's why i'm sending him to school at the same time if you've got kids that are going to school you're paying for them to go to a school and learn but at the same time you have to take responsibility as a parent to make sure that your kids are following through they're doing their homework they're studying for exams and things like that it's the same with our dog. We have to take some responsibility. And that's a very good point because there are a lot of listeners who, who are considering getting a dog and yeah. maybe not, but who are parents and we yeah. understand that. And as a parent myself, I know that, yes, the kids come back, but you still have to read with them. You sure. still have to do the times table with them. Yeah, we are paying this money to the school to hopefully... For the foundation, for the skill set. Absolutely, yeah. but it, it, it's kind of, you know, revisiting that and, and it's constant training. It doesn't just stop. Yeah, and the, the other analogy would be when your kids are going to school, and I don't have kids, so you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, they're going to school for like the foundational stuff in, in, that, in that particular picture. When they're coming home, it's a lot of that is how to apply that in a real-life setting. Right? And again, I've never done this. I'm going to make this off the top of my head, but if you're going to school, you're learning your times tables, you go through a functional way of learning the times tables. You're out with your kids at the beach. You might do it with stones. You might do it with fruit at the, at the supermarket you'll do things you'll apply all of these skills when you're out and about with them half the time not even knowing it but it's learning and how to use those skills in a real life setting which is obviously the really important part yeah you picked the wrong person with the times tables with right. me <laughs> yeah, fair you enough. might as well say spelling I, I, no I completely ignored <laughs> the spelling side of that for obvious reasons but no but you're no, right you, I, I think it, it, from a, my, my daughter at the moment is really into history and we are putting that and why things are you know especially with conspiracy theories at the moment so sure. I can understand what you're saying I won't go into the conspiracy yeah, yeah. theories right now because get back to the dog training so if Kurt can't go so let's say that this dog training school which is not Canine Point Academy <laughs> I, I should add um, let's say that this dog training school is either not around anymore or it's gone or he's what moved country. What can point on? Yeah, what, what's his... Apart from coming to see you at Canine Point Academy, or, of course. Or I, I didn't, say, it didn't say where he was, did he? No, so it didn't, I'm afraid. So, A, I would... Uh, as much that... Uh, I don't want to say start the process again, but it might just be worth contacting a local trainer to you, going for a, a, just a one-off session with them and explaining what you've been through. I would guess, to be fair, that the dog does know some basic skill sets, they just haven't given you the knowledge as to how to to work through the work with the dog and get him to go through the process. And it might just be, yep, you bring him to a trainer who knows what they're doing and can just start again very quickly with the dog and you might see some very quick progression. So it's not that you've got to send your dog away for another two, four, six weeks, whatever it is. It might just be you need a couple of sessions to understand more about the dog and how to get him to do things and sort of connect the dots that you might be missing. Just off a, a curveball at you, do dogs respond to different trainers sure. I, I, I guess. trainers well, it, it's not so much they don't know the person's a trainer they'll just <laughs> they'll, but they'll, they will respond to different people in different so ways so for example being you've got a favorite or you might have had a favorite teacher at school that you learned yeah. so much more from whereas you know is it the same with dog i, I would argue the same yes 
it, obviously you'd have to ask a dog for that particular thing as to which person no problem at all. sassy yeah. well, who's your favourite dog trainer <laughs> oh not Russell yeah <laughs> yeah but he's I'm my favourite daddy so that's okay oh, hey. um, yeah I would guess look for you know, dogs and you can see that some dogs respond to different people in, in, in different ways it just that kind of depends I would argue more from a, a trainer's perspective, we will engage with the dogs that come in differently to the way an average owner or average person in the street would. And that's the more important part. And in terms of, and I get this a lot, you know, my dog sits perfectly and listens when he's, when he can see I've got the big box of treats in front of me, my dog's bulletproof. As soon as I put that box of treats away, he doesn't listen to me. And I, I get that a lot, which always suggests to me that yes, we well, haven't worked on a fading out food reward and B, that big box of treats is a trigger in the same way that bowl of food in the kitchen sit and stay is a trigger without the bowl of food we've never done this sit stay thing without the box of treats we've never done the sit stay thing so it's all about fading these things out and it's a fine line between holding a treat and bribing my dog to come back to me versus getting my dog to come back and now me presenting a treat and a reward for doing it so if kurt hasn't got a school close by is it just a case of trying to reinforce what you were just saying at home and just practicing and, yeah, and I mean, listen to all our barkcasts that we've done and picking some tips up i would do that there's obviously youtube there's a billion different videos that you can uh, look at for sort of different things the the key things are going to be about eight hey, there's a lot of repetition and a lot of consistency and the the big fallacy is my dog knows it that intrinsic thought that my dog knows it and he's not doing it on purpose he's stubborn key phrases that come up a lot and my response to that is no the dog's not stubborn in the way that we think about it to be stubborn is i know what you want and i'm not going to do it and the dogs don't work on that level so it's not that he knows it he probably doesn't and he's just doing whatever he thinks will work for him in that moment what i would perhaps suggest for kurt at this stage is again either contact a local trainer find someone or even just give us a call directly i'm happy to have a, a, a zoom chat or what have you or, or anyone else just to maybe have a quick look at the dog and see how he is engaging with the dog and say oh okay you need to do x y and z so basically what we're trying to say here is that residential programs are great but you need to be as an owner part sure, of oh, that absolutely. residential program you absolutely do and you it's certainly the, the handover sessions are without a doubt the most important part of it excellent thanks russell thanks mate cheers bye if you're looking for professional training or somewhere to board your dog, either short or long term, then check out Canine Point Academy. That's caninepointacademy.com or go to Facebook and search Canine Point Academy.